you've fallen down the rock and roll rabbit hole. All right, we're back with another hey. episode of Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole. Right we on. are your intrepid hosts. I'm Kevin Gibson. And I'm Butch Bays. And we thank you for tuning in once again. If, in fact, you are tuning in for a <laughs> multiple time, we'll see how that works. Uh, as we tend to do, we're going to start the show with uh, starting by pouring ourselves a tasty adult beverage. And so, tonight we have... Oh, man. That's Another a- local Louisville, Kentucky beer from Against the Grain Brewery. This is Citra Ass Down. It has kind of a grown-up's uh, name to it. It's, like, uh, well, it's very, it's very not mature. For, not very for mature. Children. Citra Ass Down. This is not nearly as mature as the brown note. So this is... Yeah, right. This Thank is goodness. a uh, very Citra-focused double IPA. So Citra, so, Citra hops. Oh, and it's a double. Oh, Lord. It's a little dangerous. Oh, Lord. The first time that I, I ever had it, I didn't know it was a double. Did it sit? And things sit, got weird. Sit, sit your yeah. rump down. All it, right. Uh, it got weird. So, well, cheers nice. to Against the Grain. Yep, from Louisville. They're, not you know, a good, sponsor good yet. people own it. We are happy to support them. Yes. And they, they give us no money. They did no. not give us beer. We purchased this beer. So we just like the we beer. We just do uh, cheers. Free product placements, I guess. <laughs> Until they decide that we're worth uh, sponsoring. Correct. To the rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, very tasty. Ooh, that's very citrusy. I haven't had one of those in a while. Okay. Now, I'm going to introduce tonight's topic, right. and then I might say just a little about who we are. All right. Tonight's topic is Run DMC and Aerosmith, the collaboration Walk This Way, mm-hmm. a song originally released in 77, remade around 86, yep. and uh, the rest is history. So a little bit of talk about who we are. I'm Butch Bays. By day, I do uh, gravestones. I make gravestones. Uh, by night, I'm an occasional guitar player, and mm-hmm. I'm a rock and roll lover extraordinaire. And we are in a band together. We're in a band together. Called Common House Flies. Um, I am a writer and author, uh, primarily. So, And I think you're on the doorstep of being upgraded to a C-list local celebrity. I'm trying. With the, when the new book comes out, by the way, I have a new book coming out. We might declare you a, a C-list. Maybe I'll be a C-list. I'm right now, maybe a D-plus. Somewhere between the Barnstable Party and, like, Big Al's Burritaville uh, <laughs> Derby uh, extra. You got to be local to get that reference, but that was good. That was good. No less. For colorful. our Louisville friends, you're yeah. welcome. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. As we usually start with the tail of the tape after the beverage. <laughs> All right. Walk this way was a single by Run DMC uh, with collaboration with uh, Aerosmith from the Raising Hell album. The B side, uh, curiously, was uh, "Walk This Way" instrumental. instrumental. I'd love to hear that. I haven't. haven't I've never heard, heard either. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, it was released on July Fourth, Independence Day, nineteen eighty-six. Uh, it was recorded March 9th of eighty-six. So, mm-hmm. uh, boy, they didn't take long to get that one no. uh, out in the public. Uh, let me see here. Uh, songwriters are Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. Of Aerosmith, uh, mm-hmm. producers Russell Simmons and the great Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin I'm going to say great. Yeah. And uh, the song went to. Uh, here's the chart success of this song. Okay. Uh, Australia number nine. Nine. Austria. <laughs> it went to number twenty six. Belgium number six. Canada number six. France went to number sixty one. Ireland uh, twelve. <laughs> the Netherlands took it all the way to number two. Can you go number two in the Netherlands? Uh, New Zealand number one, baby. 
Norway, number six. Switzerland, nine. UK, eight. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Were, you, were you taking a nap? <laughs> sorry, I zoned out there for a second. <laughs> right. So I thought tonight we could possibly start by talking about, of course, this wasn't the first release of this tune. Right. It was released. Let me see here. We wrote it down, didn't we? Released twice, right? Yeah. 75 and 77? Yeah. The one I think people remember is the August 28th, 1977 release mm -hmm. where it went to number 10. It's on the Toys in the Attic album, which yep. is, I believe, is Aerosmith's third album. Yep. Sounds right. And uh, that's when they really hit their stride and became bona fide, legit, major yep. American rock stars. And that's when the drugs. Uh, yeah, they got enough money to to to, yeah. to uh, party favors. Yeah, they had the uh, substance uh, abuse problems, which I think substance like to say that is kind of like that's such a general term. I know. I mean, I experimented with silly putty. Is that? <laughs> is that, is that yeah, something? I used to do that too. I used to copy Popeye cartoons. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> from the newspaper. <laughs> oh, I remember that now. Man, I want some more of that crap now. It came with a little egg, right? Oh, boy. Oh, we were dating ourselves. We're nerding out bad, yeah. Uh, went to number seven in Canada on that first run. Yeah. Did you happen to listen to it this week, the original Aerosmith version? I didn't. I only listened to the, uh, the subsequent version. Man, I'm telling you, the Aerosmith version is... It's great. Be a beautiful work of art. Well, and we bad and, to the bone. And we grew up listening to it as teenagers on WQMF and WLRS. The it was ubiquitous. Stations. Is that a word? And it, and it, and it, it was, was everywhere. When I started listening, you around the same time you did too, in 82, 83, when we became teenagers. Yeah. It was still being played often. A lot of, you know, Sweet Emotion and a lot of the songs, even though Aerosmith was sort of... I mean, to, to me, at that age, they had become a thing of the past already. Well, you know, it was... To my perspective. I heard somebody say today they were considered old yeah. at the age of like 34 Yeah, at that time. And in a way, for rock and roll, I guess, ideally, that is old for, you know, yeah. for a rock star. Uh, and they were a little bit washed up at, uh, after, or, or at after least this. believed yeah. to be. And that's the thing. The perception was, for me... Oh, this is this mysterious band. I never bought an Aerosmith album because it was always on the radio. Correct. It was always know? at the and pool. And I always enjoyed it. Right. And yeah. I just thought, oh, wow, cool. This is a band that's gone now. I didn't know they were still actually together. <laughs> we didn't consider that, did we? We no. thought they were something like from the was, 60s, There probably. was no Google then. We didn't have any way to look it up to see if they were still producing music. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so it yeah. was a whole different era. And so we just were like, okay, well, there's nothing new coming out. They're, they're done. They're gone. It's, it's too bad. You know, we'll always enjoy these songs. Yeah. But they had some great songs. And they sort of, they had a couple of the songs that defined the 70s. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I mean. That, that Toys in the Attic album was just like, it was a huge. Really, really. You know, and it was amazing. right there, you know, as disco was taken off. And it was still like, no, rock and roll is still the, yeah. the one here, you know. Yeah. At that point, I'm telling you, yeah, it was it was it was huge, and if you want to, then flash forward to '86. Now Aerosmith's having problems. Mm -hmm. Aerosmith's got the Done with Mirrors album out and and had gone on a tour, and yep. and widely considered to be a failure. Yep. I don't know why. I think it's mostly about the probably the drugs. And, probably. You know. and, yeah. And. They were in a different era, you know. It was True. the '80s, which then it was all synth. 
you know, everybody who's had the freaking stupid looking hairdos, flock of seagulls, <laughs> yeah. Cindy Hopper, you uh, know, Billy Idol. Stuff. I like Billy's hair, but, I, but you know. Yeah, but, so, you know, it was just different. It was a lot of these European bands were... We're, you know, getting into Vogue and stuff, and so... It's an MTV effect. Well, like, the Eagles sort of went away, too. Well, suddenly, you these know. bands that were kind of jeans and kind of bell-bottoms-ish yep. and kind of that 70s look, which which was also sort of the late 60s look, they started to look pretty passe at mm-hmm. that time, because then all of a sudden, there was, like, parachute pants oh, and yeah. oh. shorter hair and... Yep. And, and a Dang lot low. of... <laughs> what was this? Dayglow. Day oh, yeah, Dayglow. Oh, man, who could forget it? But uh, Flash dance was, you know. <laughs> there you go. But a lot of the 70s bands, like Kansas, yeah. Triumph, you can go down the list, started to have some trouble fitting in. Like, those bands kind of went away in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then bands, juggernauts from the 70s, like REO and Kiss, and some of those bands even were, were finding it an awkward time to kind of yeah. go into this MTV era. Like you say, the Eagles broke up right at the end of the 70s. Yep. So, you know, yep. it's a, it was a, a tough time. So so now, uh, Run DMC, do you, you want to cover like how they kind of might maybe discovered this song? Or do you know much well, about it? Well, it was just, yeah, it was just a beat. They were going to loop. And they were, they were going to, to rap about how great they were. They said, yeah, they said a lot of times at street parties, park parties, uh, you know, in the urban, you know, areas, I guess, New York City is kind of where this sprang out of, but they, they would have that beat going. I think Brooklyn actually was where they were, or no, Hollis, Hollis, Queens, sorry, Uh, I gotta get, but I gotta get that right. But anyway, they said the DJs would spin that record, but they would only let it go. Right. It was just, they would loop it. Yeah. It was like the boom, 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 boom. And then they sometimes let the guitar play, part go, you know, the little uh, hook mm-hmm. there. Yep. And then before Steven Tyler comes in, yep. that's the end of it. Like yep. they, they, go, they go back to the start and yep. hit that beat again. Yep, just loop it over and over. And that's that's what they were going to record, which is which is what's cool. I didn't never I never knew that. No. So I'm I always thought when that came out, I was very uninterested in it. Oh, you I, had, were? Oh. I had no interest in, in, in rap or hip hop at the time. I had no interest. None. None. Because oh. I was I was a white kid from the suburbs. I had no interest in it. Yeah. Well, what yeah. You know? But <laughs> it was to me when when that came out and started getting big, I thought this has to be again, there was no Google. Correct. This has to be <laughs> a label said, We're gonna make you guys do this song together. Correct. Yeah. And so that we can find a new audience. For you and a new audience for you. It seemed very and well it, conceived at the time, I think. Yeah. Exactly. And it was almost like New Coke. It was like an accident. Oh, true. It was sort yeah. of a, you know, it was sort of a, they wanted to do a song over that beat. They didn't know it was an Aerosmith song. They thought the band was called Toys in the Attic. I love that. I love that story. It's crazy. Yeah. Daryl McDaniel, uh, DMC, tells the story yeah. that, that they always said, get the album by Toys in the Attic and play number four. And so yep. they would play number four and that, that was just the, the beat. And they had never heard the vocal. Nope. They didn't know what the <laughs> song was called. It was called number four, yep. right? And so they they would rap over it all the time. They said there was rappers as or you know hip hop artists as early as the late 70s doing that already. And yep. then they started doing it. But anyway... So they had no idea who the band was, anything. So Rick Rubin comes to the studio. They're 
they're kind of playing around with that beat, yep. that loop. And he says, oh, that's Aerosmith. Walk this way. And they're like, who? We, we don't know. Yep. You know, <laughs> This is Toys in the Attic, number four. You know, so. Yep. But anyway, he says, no, nah. he goes, we should remake it with the with that band. Right. Like, let's remake it the way they with made it. the original it. lyrics. So Rick yep. Rubin's kind of a genius. Yep. That and was it was just a lark. Smart. It was just a fluke. You know, oh. it's just his him going, hey, here's an idea. He never would have thought of that on his own. I don't They th- brought the loop in. They brought the beat in. He was like, aha. Aha. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think he thought, oh, I'm on to the biggest thing no. since sliced bread. I think he just thought Absolutely that'd be not. interesting. Yep. But the thought to get Steve, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry in on it, I wouldn't imagine you just thought, oh, let's just call up these big, huge and to, rock stars. And to call them up, and they were like, yeah, okay, we're on tour, but we'll stop in. <laughs> yeah. See, well, now, now that brings up an interesting point for me, okay? They were like, yeah, we got a day off, right? right. So we'll go in. So to run DMC, the band, the their, that band, it was just a, a goof. Okay, it yep. was just a goof. And they didn't want it. They didn't. They were. They heard the lyric for the first time. They were like, "Oh hell no!" They, they hated they it. They hated it. And so to to Aerosmith, it was maybe an annoyance and or just kind of oh something to do on a on a, an off day. But yet it became this big bang kind of thing that like it was nitro. But uh, Rick Rubin told Run and Daryl to go home and take a and take a get, legal pad and write down the lyrics. Write down the lyrics. You sit in your basement and listen to it until yeah. you get the lyrics down. So Daryl in a very animated way in a lot of interviews will describe, okay, we got the, we got our pencil, we got our pad of paper, and we're waiting. We're just going boom, 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 and all the stuff they yeah. know. And then they're waiting. And I'm thinking he's going to say as soon as he heard the lyrics, like, oh yeah, it's already a rap song. <laughs> this is great. But what he says is, this is hillbilly gibberish. Hillbilly gibberish. And they call Rick Rubin and uh, Mad yeah, Russell Simmons. <laughs> yeah, they were like, no way, no, no. And a lot of cussing going yeah. on, apparently. <laughs> we're not doing that, hillbilly. hillbilly. Which to me, calling Aerosmith from Boston, which to us seems like, like you know, the, the most urban exotic. Yeah. <laughs> Calling that hillbilly gibberish was funny to me. Oh, but, man. But, yeah, they refused. But then they get a call. Uh, Russell says he's uh, he's Joseph Simmons' brother, I guess, right? right yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. But anyway, he says, Rick's got uh, Aerosmith in the studio. You guys got to come down. So they come down. They're they're like crying, yeah, right? They're right. They're sad. They're like so mad. They thought it was gonna ruin their career. Yeah. <laughs> so they go down and they walk in. Do you remember what they said when they saw? Them? They're like, "You're the Rolling Stones." <laughs> they said, "You got the, the Rolling Stones." Rick's got here. the Rolling Stones in here. <laughs> and I think Steven Tyler thought that was kind of funny because yeah. it's no insult to be called, you know, the no, Rolling Stones. No, but it kind of broke the ice for it the did. session. Yeah. They took it well, apparently. <laughs> and uh, But then it seems like to me when uh, D and Run got into the uh, booth, they didn't take it serious at all. Right. Have you seen any of the outtakes? No. They were just they were just just half, the story. Yeah. They were half-heartedly. Well, and he just, said that in that one interview. He was just like, they were just like spitting it out, going, reading it off their pad, going, blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. They were yeah. missing the missing like yeah. I mean they got the words wrong when they wrote them down which I think is charming. Yeah. But they when they tr- were rapping it it was almost like they were trying to sabotage it. Yeah. Like that oh this ain't really gonna happen. And then uh, uh, who who's their DJ? It's uh, uh, Jazz Master J. Jazz Master J. <laughs> he 
he believed in it and said, "You got to do it right. You're going to embarrass yourselves if you get, you yeah. know don't do." It. So they did it right, but to me, it worked so well. Yeah, it did, 100 percent did. What I what I love is the fact that they were on such a time limit because Aerosmith had to get back to their next gig. See, I didn't know this. This is interesting to me. And Run DMC had a rental car that was overdue. They're like, we gotta get this car back. We're gonna have to pay extra fees. So they had to finish. That's it. real life, isn't That's it? That's real. I mean, it's like oh they were just God. like, just get this done and just get it over with, and we'll bury it on the album at number four. And right. put it at number four, which is <laughs> yeah. you know, one of the stories they said. It is funny they put it at number four. Now I was a little bit aware of. Uh, hip-hop at the time because uh, in my neighborhood somehow there were like cassettes going around Mm. that had like Rapper's Delight. Oh, yeah. And then I think I heard Beastie Boys probably before I heard Run DMC. I I heard that from an ex-girlfriend. Do you remember there was buzz around that even before it was on the radio? But but that's the thing. It wasn't on the radio. And and that's sort of the point is that this, this sort of haphazard idea of we're gonna we're gonna put rock and rap together in order to to gain new audiences for both as an experiment as a, just a Rick Rubin lark became something so huge that it did change the course of music in its own way I think it did and that's kind of why we're here and should we bring up the the book you that you referenced well yeah there's a book uh, you want to read mean, that title there's, real quick? there's a book about it by a Washington Post Writer, so that that makes it really Jeff interesting. Edgers, yeah. And the title be- is "Walk This Way," Run DMC, Aerosmith, and the song that changed American music forever. And this is a scholarly work. Yeah, it's not just an opinion piece; it's a scholarly work. I don't think it's overstated myself. I, I do think it changed American music forever. I think it changed. I think it made maybe hip-hop more palatable to suburban yes white kids you know i mean to, sure because for, for you've, like got, a better terminology. you've got aerosmith yeah <laughs> you know gods not, of rock yeah. right even though they were in a down period still and so now you've got pop country artists rapping how well, many, well there you go how many rap breakdowns are there now in pop country songs uh you know? yeah i know it's uh, i never believed that that would ever happen but here we are because because of that song, that, that re- recording of Walk This Way. I, I believe that's where it kind of, I mean, you know, I guess you can look at what led up to the, you know, the making of this recording. But that recording is where it was sort of like Elvis on Ed Sullivan or, yeah. or the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Yeah. You know, it's kind of those moments that kind of change everybody's perceptions about what they would yeah. be interested in. Um, I thought it was pretty darn cool. And after listening to both versions this week, I would have told you before that I that I kind of favored the Run DMC version because there's something really, really cool about yeah, it. Yeah, it's really cool. But here in the original version, it's so well made oh, that yeah. I don't know. I, I think I, I lean a little towards the original, but the remake's so great. The beat is so good, and that kind of the way they hitch on, jit, 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 you know, that makes yeah. that just so yep. much cooler. Uh, what What do you think about this now? This This kind of like they dug up Aerosmith specifically. It could have been Kiss, Led Zeppelin, uh, you but know, it was that anything. song. It was that beat. It wasn't Aerosmith at all. 
True. It was well, yeah, true. But I mean, like, did they sort of win the lottery in that it brought them into kind of this hipness and coolness? Oh, one hundred percent. It was. It was a. It was a very copacetic occurrence. Totally. Very. I mean, so and I'm gonna do an aside here real quick. Good. So so, I've seen and, and sort of thought myself that there are instances where a rock band sort of rapped, sort of incorporated rap way before this. Now, that's I'm glad you're doing this because I have a theory uh, because I was thinking Walk This Way is sort of already, it lends itself so much to rap because it, was, it sort right. of was rapped originally. And Tyler said to the yeah. to their drummer, his name is Gibson, he's like, play something with a little funk to it. Joey. Joey, yeah. Uh, Joe Kramer. Yeah, yeah, Joey yeah. Kramer. So, you <laughs> yeah. just play some of the little funk to it. And so, he just made it up on the spot, and, and they built a song around that. Well, yeah, and, and uh, uh, Joe uh, Perry had had the uh, had yeah. a lick. He made yeah. it up in Hawaii somehow, <laughs> you know. But go ahead. And that lick, but anyway, if you go back to uh, Give Peace a Chance, John Lennon sort of raps in that song. Oh, Think wow. about the verses. Wow. He doesn't sing that at all. That oh, yeah. Interesting. So, then and... and you won't know this, and our viewers probably won't know this, or our listeners won't know this, but uh, sometime later in 1981, okay. one of my favorite bands, The Knack, had a song called Art War, yep. in which Doug Figer raps the interesting the verses. What year? 81, I think. Oh, yeah. Now, see, that's a little after, though, like uh, Rapper's Delight and some of those things. Right. But to look at rock and roll. But but that was not a collaboration. That was just, that was just some white guy, honestly, from California just saying, hey, this is kind of cool. I, you know, doing the sort of. Rock I'm gonna, rock I'm gonna just th- throw this in just f- to make our songs a little different. But things like that show that there was already interest in some sort of a crossing of of the streams, of the streams. to use a Ghostbusters <laughs> term. So Rick Always Ribbon is the one it. who said, let's just get these two artists together from these far distant places, and that was what it took. Boy, no I- one cared that Doug Figer was rapping on the third Mac album. Oh, yeah. No one cared about that. Well, you know, um, the uh, Run DMC had already had a song called King of Rock, Mm -hmm. and I think they had already recorded My Adidas, which both had some rock elements. But here's what I'm going to go back to. I'm going to do you one one more power to the past. Bo Diddley, like the Who Do You Love song. That's where I feel like maybe was the the birthplace of the kind of verse uh, cadence that um, uh, Steven Tyler employed on uh, Walk This Way. You know, it's like, uh, got a brand new house by the roadside. It's made out of rattlesnake hide. All that stuff is really... It's it's got that... If you speed that up, it sounds a little like Walk This Way, that kind of... That yep. kind of yep. talk scene. Interesting. You know, so, but I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> and that's also got a great beat, right? The yep. Bo Diddley beat. So, where are we now? Well, then, we, then we come to what happens after. <laughs> oh, oh. So, and, and you know, and, and one of the things that you were going to posit, and I'll let you say it, but. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, that What did this do to okay. rock and roll going forward? Here's my opinion. This song revived Aerosmith's career, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, well-deserved, but, you know, they were just getting back together. Joe Perry This is bringing me to something I want to say. Do it. You're going exactly where I hope okay, you would go. Good. But anyway, it revived Aerosmith's career. 
it, it, I think it sent Run DMC at the time into the stratosphere. Yeah. Okay, so good for both, right? But I also feel like it was the death blow to rock and roll. Like, that was the time... It was the beginning of the end of rock and roll's dominance as the the number one art form of the uh, what do you say? What is it? Um, popular music of popular music and yeah. of the disenfranchised. You know, it was right. the yeah. music of rebellion changed hands. It was the passing of the baton between the titans of rock and roll, the American Rolling Stones, to this young, really cool, fresh hip hop. Yep. Somewhat angry band. Yep. All right, go ahead. What do you got with? Well, the, and, and, and to, <laughs> to to step back just a minute, you know. Sure. You mentioned Rapper's Delight, and those bands from the late '70s and early '80s that were doing hip hop, they were dressing in flamboyant clothes, like you know, it was they were all like trying to be George Clinton, and you know, true. And, and they were trying to be Parliament Jackson Five, yeah, Parliament. Yeah, sure. and they were, and so Run DMC comes along, and they're wearing black leather. Black shades, yeah, fedoras, and just—they look like, like the Black Blues Brothers to me. Yes, <laughs> and they're and they were just like trying to be like tough and like very. You know, there's a lot of hubris into their image and their music, and so that was a whole different thing too. And that was sort of rock and roll. It was very. It rock was and sort roll. of like early '60s Beatles with their leather and you know. And, it's a reset, just yeah. like Nirvana, just yeah. like you know Guns and Roses. I think to an extent. Uh, just like the Beatles, there's a style that comes out that you yep. know is different and that you know is probably going to take over, right? Yep. Uh, I'll tell you when I first noticed the style of Run DMC and thought, oh my God, I'm looking at something so different and probably the future. is In the in the video for Walk This Way, They, the, I love the part where they're in the two separate rooms right. and Steven Tyler like very <laughs> vigorously breaks into the other room. Right. What, so what a cool. great concept. It was it was per that, it, it was it was so, the, the best metaphor you could ever possibly. <laughs> although you probably should have had Run DMC busting into the rock and roll side because it was more like that. Uh, that is a great point. But when they went to the live concert footage and and Aerosmith's on stage with Run DMC, when Run DMC's walking down the steps, they show their feet and they've got those Adidas yeah. on with no laces. Yep. And I just thought, oh, my God. Yep. You know, like now, as cool as Aerosmith is, they just got nerdified by that yep. coolness. That's wild. It's a great observation. It was just so crazy yep. different, you know. But Well, the, the thing is, like like I said, I wasn't interested in it back then. I saw it, but. Well, did you think the Aerosmith parts were cool or what, what, what were your. I was more like, it was the first time I ever saw. Steven Tyler in my life. And he's a nut. Right. It was disturbing. Yeah. He's yeah. You know, he's not exactly Buddy Holly or No. <laughs> it was like, what the freak is this going on here? And I just so Yeah. When it would come on later I just would go watch something else, you know. So I went back and watched it. I was like, okay, now I remember why I stopped watching the video. Oh, man. Not that I hated the song at all. No, I, just, I understand. I, I understand. just didn't want to watch the video. Um but I yeah, loved that video. I loved it. Well, I enjoyed watching it the other day, you know, when I caught up with it. But at the time, I was, a, you know, I was a freaking teenager. Oh, you know, okay. I didn't, now, I've got it, a really it, interesting take on this. Yeah. Okay, here's my, here's my take on the video and what it made me think of and kind of how it, it, it also uh, 
it also encapsulates what what this moment in music is to me the video is okay Aerosmith's doing their thing in, in one studio right it's one studio room with one wall separate thin wall separating but anyway Aerosmith's looking awful cool awful swaggery you know in their room and then they show run dmc which is is the new thing right so run dmc is the contender mm-hmm. uh in a way you could say even though Aerosmith smith was in a downtime was the heavyweight champion okay because that they are a bona fide right elite they had, rock the, they, they had the resume they had the resume. They had the hits. They had the limousines, right? Okay. So they had the drugs. They had <laughs> and the silly putty. Yeah. The silly putty, yeah, exactly. But anyway, so in the other room is this upstart, right? The contender, right? And so to me, then Steven Tyler gets irritated because he's hearing the kind of the beats from the So it's other like room. a boxing match. It's like a boxing it's like a boxing <laughs> match. You knew her. Yeah. So then Tyler hits a hole in the wall and sticks his head right. through and they're all like they're not impressed. They're like, oh, you know, sort of like those boxing press conferences. Like, uh, uh, you know, I'm not yeah. scared of you, right? And so I think the actual way these guys related to each other in real life was they were suspicious of each other. Yeah. They were, Aerosmith was afraid. Oh, we're the old guys. We don't want to be made fun of. Uh, Steven Tyler reportedly said to the director of the video, don't make us look silly. I don't want people laughing at us. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. I didn't know that. Well, you know, there is a worry, right? Because it's the new yeah. thing, the young people. Yeah. And so to me, the the in the video, Steven Tyler will do his thing, which is awesome. And then Run DMC will do their thing, which is also awesome and also a fresh thing, right? But it's sort of a punch and a punch back, right? Yeah. A counter punch. To me, that it was, it was like rock and roll and hip hop having a, an epic boxing match battle for supremacy and at the time i think it was seen to be a draw but in retrospect i think ultimately hip-hop hip-hop won won. yeah so i don't know that's just my and and and, you know what what i was going to get to is that yeah um so the next thing that aerosmith released as i recall was dude looks like a lady uh, yeah, it's right. Yeah, and I, I remember when that permanent came vacation out. album or something is that what it's called? I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I remember when that started coming onto the radio. I listened uh-huh. to it, and I was like, "Huh." <laughs> and my friend Jamie and I, and this is one, this is something I'll never forget when okay. we, we heard that out that song. Yeah, and we talked about it. He said that doesn't sound like any Aerosmith song I ever heard. Right, right, and, and, he and was, I agree. And he <laughs> nailed it. And I was like, that's it. That's right. It doesn't sound like anything they would have done 10 years ago. You know? So, so. And, and so I, I just, it was like, <laughs> they suddenly were just, they were Van Hagar. They were oh. in that group of, that lump of, you know, Bon Jovi. And they were just Def trying. Def Leppard. Def yeah. Leppard. And then, and like, then they did what Angel. Yeah. Wasn't that? Yeah. I mean, and, and like, it was just, the, yeah. here's, a, here's the gratuitous power ballad like Motley Crue's uh, home or whatever it was called you know and I, it was just like now you're just lumped in with all these other generic bands uh, I totally agree and I think they did uh, they did somewhat disgrace their legacy at that time but I do love me a good power ballad like uh, home sweet home I, I you know I can get with some of those but I understand it wasn't sweet emotion 
right. it wasn't dream on like songs that will live in you know like right. history and so should be sent to right. out in the space i had always yeah. seen them as this really cool we're doing it our own way we're doing this crazy weird stuff and then that very happened street level yeah with run dmc and then suddenly they were just another pop metal band <laughs> and and they wanted to make the money i get it i yeah. get it but it just changed my view of who they were and it, oh, no, it's totally never gone agree. back I've never I've lo- I lost my respect for them and <laughs> I'm sorry that's just the way I felt about it. Okay, now here's what I'm going to say. I don't have a respect for I don't the- want to fight tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when we fight. But anyway, no, I here's what I'm going to choose to do with this. Uh, it's never occurred to me until you said you've lost your respect for Harold Smith, which I completely understand and and somewhat you know am in favor of. I take the 70s Aerosmith as one band and the 80s, 90s Aerosmith as another band, okay? The the 70s band should be put on a pedestal and, you know, like canonized in the Rock Hall of Fame. Like, they are sort of the American Rolling Stones, great, great, great. And the 80s is sort of like, you know, heart sort of lost their way in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, oh, Jefferson Starship. Oh, they at least changed the name so you can delineate. Oh. But I compartmentalize these two things, right? Yeah. So. I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm maybe I hold grudges more. Well, I think that's fine. So now, since we've... <laughs> Since we've analyzed the the post uh, walk this way collaboration, Aerosmith. Now, what do you what do you make of what happened to Run DMC from then on? I've got to be honest; I didn't follow it that much. I'm, I'm well. A, I'm a guy. I was I was listening to, to the Young Fresh Fellows. Well, no, no, I understand. Like you, you're, <laughs> yeah, you were very, you know, into the sort of underground rock right. and, and underground and, power and pop and stray cats yeah. that stuff, but. The fact that you sort of lost track of Run DMC is sort of an indication that, you know, that the layman, that the, the somewhat disinterested, didn't hear from them really anymore, hardly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think they they made a peak and they, they made it for a little while and then they sort of, I mean, eventually, uh, Jam Master J, is that, was that, is that his name? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I feel funny saying that. I don't think I'm cool enough to say uh, Jam Master J, but he was a, a murdered in an unsolved murder. Right. Okay. Right. And every time Run or DMC say his name, they say, yeah, uh, rest, his soul rest, whatever, rest yeah. in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. Jam yeah. Master J, rest in peace. May he rest in peace. Which I think is really a good way to honor yeah, him. Yeah, he was, their, he was their friend, you know. But so. they weren't able to really cash in on it uh, long term. They did some appearances with Kid Rock recently. Uh, Aerosmith and Run DMC kind of like came out in some Kid Rock things when he was sort of on top of the world, you know. Yeah. And But really, they haven't made that victory lap like the Rolling Stones have made about 50 times and yeah. like Guns N' Roses is making now. I think Run DMC, if they played Louder Than Life or one of these big yeah. festivals, would. I think it would be, there would be a buzz around that even be without huge. Jay. Yeah, oh, it would be huge. It would be No, monstrous. I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. I mean, Run is now a reverend and Daryl's voice has somewhat changed. DMC's voice has kind of changed. Yeah. Uh, but he's a dynamic, young-looking yeah. Both of those guys look, look good. Yeah. And, 
but I would love to see them together. You know, I'd love to see them do yeah, a, a victory I'm, lap. So. I'm not gonna. I'm not. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I'm not, I'm not saying that they don't matter. I'm saying that. You know, oh no, I understand. Know, it's one of those things that. But like, if you, I mean, when I think about that, I think about sort of what they opened the door for later in the early '90s. I got into bands like uh, Fun Loving Criminals. You know. Oh, okay. And I, I got into uh, Digital Underground. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm sure that it was because of that collaboration between Aerosmith and Run DMC that I was able to open my mind up to this sort of hip hop rap with guitars involved. Sure, you know, and that that was something that I that I was into for a while in the early '90s, and I was in my 30s by then. You know, I was like, sure. Well, I was already curious about hip hop from the uh, just hearing the. Uh, a rapper's delight. I just thought that was really intriguing and sounded like something so mm-hmm. fresh and yep. different. And then, uh, you know, of course, I think we both got into a lot of the Beastie Boys kind of as a result of this thing. Yeah, and, and passing for me, but yeah. Well, and, I thought it was fun. I had a girlfriend that loved them, and so she played them for me all the time. Well, I didn't buy all so, their records yeah. and go see them, but you I know mean, what I mean. But, but I, I just I enjoyed the kind of the fun that they brought with the. Yeah, you know. I mean, you can say that. You know, our, for those of you who don't know our band, our band is sort of fun-loving. Uh, yes, we and, are. <laughs> and the Beastie Boys were sort of, you know, wry. And we do actually cover a Beastie Boys song in our set many times. So, yeah, so we were definitely yeah. influenced by what the, those guys did. So that's another band that might not have been as recognized. You know, they were in that same time frame. Well, they, yeah, well, they toured. On, on this uh, album, uh, what was it? A Raising Hell tour. Oh yeah, had uh, LL Cool J and uh, Beastie Boys. So that was a heck of a tour, really. Yeah. If somebody saw LL that. LL Cool J. Wow, ladies love Cool James. <laughs> oh, so that it? Yeah. Oh man, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, I heard the other day what DMC means, and I don't, I don't remember. Maybe if no. we if this goes to YouTube, I'll put it on the screen. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but I, I really have really liked uh, Daryl McDaniel's. Uh, his uh, interviews have been so interesting. He's really interesting. Yeah, is that guy? He's 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 very very well spoken. Effusive. He's he's, <laughs> he's effusive and he's also very honest. He's mm-hmm. so honest. He does not try to market anything. He's just saying, "Here's what happened. Here's how I felt. Here's what yeah. we felt. Here's what went down." You know, I, I love, love that. that. And he and he really he was a big comic book head. Did you know that he was a big Marvel Universe guy? And he said in his uh, rap uh, lyrics, if you listen, it's all like I'm gonna smash this. I'm gonna you know like mm-hmm. everything's like the, the incredible Biff. Bam, well, yeah. <laughs> you might help me with this. Is it the Incredible Spider Man? The Amazing Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man. And what's the Hulk? The Incredible Hulk? The Incredible Hulk. Hulk. Okay. And then uh, what are some of the other characters? But he would always use those uh, adjectives. Those superlatives, yeah. Yeah, those kind of things. Like everything was, I'm I'm the best this or that. So I I think that probably has influenced rap lyrics from then on. Um, So would you consider hip-hop now maybe the new rock and roll or not? I mean... I think it's just it so the same purpose. No, to me it's so splintered. Yeah. You know, because if you if you if you think about like rock and roll was just rock and roll and there was nothing else sort of even around it back in the late 50s early 60s. Right. And then by the time this all happened, things were starting to splinter into subcategories. Okay. And then here we are now. It's like if you go to the library and you're like, what book do I want? 
you know, you don't have like a, a sign on a, on a shelf that says th- these are good books. This is <laughs> local history. This okay. is American culture. This is golf. This is how to. All right. <laughs> Music has become that. You go to the library oh. and you have very, very defined subcategories that you choose from. So do you do you like the whole library or do you just go to one section? To me, that's what music has become, popular music. Oh, wow. So so nothing is dominant like the Beatles. Like, Is that what you're saying? Like it's it's like broken down into... It like might be dominant for a little, time. Little tribes of... It might be top dominant for a time, but the Beatles helped create that too. Think of all the different sorts of music they did. Mm, true, true. They influenced the Stones. They influenced yeah. the Beach Boys. They influenced almost every band going yeah. forward. But it just you know. it just strikes me that like I wonder today and I and I love rock and roll through and through and I I hope it it would never die and in my opinion it's been somewhat driven underground at the moment because if you name rock bands that are current rock bands you might say Foo Fighters or something that's already twenty years old see what I mean right. there's not we're not making these stars like we used to pump out no, the t- Peter I totally Frampton's, agree with you. You know? and, and rock has become one of those subcategories of popular music or popular culture or you know yeah but pop music's dominant now and rap music i think has maybe taken the mantle maybe so yeah possibly starting with this of rebellion of -hmm. of the young you know like this what we loved about rock and roll it was our music and our parents said turn that down right mm-hmm. you know i mean it's part of it is like it was our thing it was defiant you know the billy mm-hmm. idol fist pump in the air type thing is kind of a feeling that i think has been turned over yeah. to another genre which is which i can't is disagree hip-hop. with that i can't disagree with it i don't think i'm as uh impassioned as you are well, about it. Well, I'm not going to say I'm completely convinced. Let's just say that... You sound convinced. I, <laughs> I, I just... I worry. You're, you're gesturing a lot. I worry that... that you know, that's true. <laughs> I never knew I spoke with the, with my hands so much, but, you know, I, I don't know. It's just something I worry about because, I, to me, when rock and roll was on top of the world... I was on top of the world. You know what I mean? Sure. I no. love, love, love that. But you know, and back in the eighties when we were, you know, listening to the QMF and LRS, it was like it was one rock song after another. No interruption. Exactly. You would you would suddenly hear something new like Martin Briley, Salt in My Tears. That was rock and roll. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. Then you'd hear you know, then you'd hear uh, Tommy Two Tone. And Rock and so Roll song, good. yeah, and John Mellencamp. And I was I listened to some Mellencamp today at work. I mean, I you know just yeah, it's just rock and roll. It's like in, in Mellencamp, I don't even maybe I own one Mellencamp album, you know. Yeah, well, it, that's another thing. But like just, you say, it, Aerosmith was everywhere. You didn't need to buy. Didn't need it. to, yeah. Same so, with Mellencamp. Same with Mellencamp, so, especially in our region because he he lived about what it's sixty miles from here. So. But like when Hurts So Good comes on, I'm going to turn it up. I'm oh, gonna, good. I'm going to turn it up. <laughs> good. I'm going to. You know? Uh, would you turn up uh, Walk This Way with Run DMC? Probably. I, I would completely turn that Probably, up. Probably, yeah. I, I, I still think it's, it feels fresh to me. It feels fresh to me. Because, yeah, it was fresh, you know, all those years ago. And, and uh, I mean, I'm sorry, but I Want to Hold Your Hand still sounds fresh. 
Oh, well, good to me. Mm-hmm. That good, guitar good, riff, sure. that had never been done before. That was so different <laughs> and so weird. I love the Beatles' little growly guitars. But to me, like, you know, the this moment in time when, when rap and rock had their shootout and, and and sort of this this awkward marriage where they I think that you know there's been reports that on the video shoot that it was pretty frosty but it kind of thawed a little right. during the shoot I just feel like you know it was it was it was a, a very interesting time for rock and roll I'm glad we were of a, of a, a great age to take this in and, and right a very influential age but also very observant Right. I mean, someday, you know, this this is history now. This is history book mm-hmm. stuff. Like, now that the Washington Post is covering it. But we were at an age, really, to feel the impact of that. People right. that were born and after we, that. Don't, and we didn't you know, research it then because we couldn't. But we felt it. We experienced it. <laughs> and we're exactly. in it in real time. We didn't understand our, the implications. Right. But, our friends <laughs> talked about it. And we heard it on the radio. And we were like, what in the heck is going on? <laughs> so, yeah. So, what do you conclude? Did, did, did hip-hop win in the end or not? I mean... Uh, I think you might be right there. I, I think that... I still go back to what I say. Is that rock and roll isn't dead. It just... It, it goes to your point. It just isn't dominant. Right. But rock and roll is still there. Because I listen to new rock and roll all the time. But might rock and roll find a comfortable place in the in sort of as an underground, upstart, uh, renegade, do-it-yourself kind of thing? Now? I think it already has. Yeah. I think we're doing it. All right. So... Thanks for joining us yeah. for another uh, ragtag we, we rambled episode. on and on. Uh, <laughs> thanks to Beer for uh, fueling this. Against the grain down at the ballpark. Right? Down at the ballpark in Louisville. If you're ever in Louisville, go to Slugger Field. Check out Against the Grain. Uh, we are, I'm Kevin, this is Butch. We are going to call it for another episode, and we will be back very soon, we promise. We're going to try to bring you some more good stuff. I'm trying to talk Kevin into uh, covering some more modern tunes, but... Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, I experimented with Silly Putty. Is that... Is that, is that yeah, so? I used to do that, too. I used to copy Popeye cartoons. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> from the newspaper. <laughs> oh, I remember that now. <laughs>